It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by our friends at Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Uh, joining us now, of course, our friend from The Athletic, he is Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. Are you excited? The NBA, it's coming back. We've got a plan. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they say they have a plan. Uh I don't think I'm excited. Uh, maybe I'll get there. Um, you know, I kind of wrote today, guys, that I'm nervous. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to be nervous. And, you know, I think hopefully this changes next week. But, uh, you know, part of my anxiousness, it's not just the, the obvious of the coronavirus, but now with what's going on in the country, I think it makes things even more sensitive for the NBA to navigate this appropriately and to strike all the right chords but you know next week i hope that they get more transparent about how this is going to work um i mean today i have mixed feelings today because on the one hand i don't want to lie and and not admit that you know last night when i wrote a story that was you know prepared for today and then and then putting that out there today where i actually wrote about basketball for the first time in quite a while like like that was enjoyable, and you know, I, I analyzed the jazz situation a little bit. I talked about a bunch of other factors, and, and and I enjoyed it. But then once I got to the end of the column, it just kind of came crashing back down on me again. That it's just, you know, it, these are different times. So I just I hope that uh, if they do get to a point where they're going to pull this off, that that it's safe and people stay healthy and it doesn't end badly here. I've always appreciated your sensitivity in that regard, Sam. We have not uh, we have not had the chance to talk with you about some of the other happenings around the country. And being the thoughtful person you are, I'm interested to hear what your uh, thoughts are about what has happened over the past week or so. Um, Gordon, I, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, I, I guess I would say this: I keep telling people in my circle and my family that. Uh, one humbling thought I keep having is that, you know, I definitely try to, to to learn as much as possible about everybody's experiences and as a white man to be humble about things. And so that, like those efforts have wrapped up a lot for obvious reasons in the past couple of weeks. And I keep, I've been telling my wife, like, good Lord, this is, it's exhausting. And I say that somewhat sarcastically because the idea that I would even complain about being tired from this fight is laughable, right? Like we, we've never dipped our toe in the types of experiences that, that black America has been dealing with for generations. And that stuff is front and center right now. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of a painful time. Uh, I feel like it's touching everybody's community for the most part. Even, uh, I mean, in our neck of the woods, uh, without getting into the nitty gritty, we had a, a really intense weekend where, um, where, where a young white person rolled by our neighborhood and, and, and lobbed the N word in the direction of one of my neighbors. Mm. Um, and that, it sparked a hell of a situation that in the end we pulled some positive out of it because the young man 
eventually apologized, but he, you know, uh, that was intense. Um, you know, even last night again, just generalizing here, but I, ironically, uh, and I, you know, Facebook's a dangerous place. Sometimes I got into it with an old high school classmate of mine who happens to live in Utah, um, last night. And, you know, and so emotions are high and, uh, I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to listen. That's all. And, and, you know, credit to our company, the athletic has hired a pretty diverse staff and I've appreciated all the perspective that, you know, our African American community is, has provided as far as the writers. Uh, and I would highly recommend if people haven't read some of that coverage, one story in particular, it was a group of folks that shared very raw stories about how it's impacted their lives. And, and so, uh, just making our way through it, but, it's uh, it's a tough, tough time right now. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Switching gears to a, a little bit of a lighter topic. Uh, let's talk about the format the NBA is returning with, Sam, and having uh, non-playoff teams still have the opportunity to uh, to qualify for the playoffs. And the idea of that play-in tournament if uh, the nine team is within four games. Your thoughts? Um, you know, I mean, no, no grand, like... Uh, I guess uh, you know complaints about the format. I I like 22 over 30 because 30 you know is just more dangerous. You know what I mean? Like I, by my calculations, you're going to get roughly in the neighborhood of 800 people under the NBA's umbrella within the bubble. They are telling teams, I believe, that it's around 35 per team. Um, you know, and then there's some periphery, you know, media folks and and some other numbers that have to be added in, but it's around 800 people. And, um, you know, so if you go to 30, then that's a whole lot more dangerous. Um, I, I probably would have preferred 20. I, it seems it seems kind of, you know, politically correct to, to loop in Washington and Phoenix. Uh, it feels like they just did that because, you know, ownership on those two organizations must have been upset. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I am looking forward to the basketball part of it again. If, if it can be done safely, it's um, going to be exciting. I mean, the the, the eight games. Um, somebody on Twitter the other day said something that I thought was a good way of putting it. I think actually it was my my buddy and colleague Joe Varden that he said uh, it's going to be like the World Baseball Classic where you go from zero to a hundred miles an hour and nothing flat because all the games are going to matter a ton right out the gate. And you know, in the West where you have Memphis three and a half games ahead of a bunch of other squads, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Phoenix farther back. Like, you know, that's going to be a lot of jockeying over eight games. It'll be fun to watch. And then, you know, assuming that you do end up having a play-in tournament, and as you guys know, the rules there are, uh, you know, it's the ninth seed against the eighth seed, but only if they're within four games, then, then you know, that's kind of do-or-die exciting basketball. March Madness style, and that's the type of thing the NBA's never really been able to capture. So, I think it'll be fun. I mean, if you're one of the top teams, you know, you have you can gripe about you lost home court advantage. Um, you know, there's so many layers to this thing, guys. Like the health stuff. You know, obviously not talking about coronavirus, talking about hamstrings and and uh, Achilles tendons and all of those basketball things that matter. I mean, you know, guys have been trying to stay in shape. But for the most part, what you hear 
is that nothing replicates being on a basketball court. So, you know, how does that look? Um, so, I mean, it's incredibly unique and potentially compelling. I, I think it it could be a lot of fun. I thought the four-game spread between uh, the ninth-place team and the eighth-place team was a little generous uh, for toward that ninth-place team. However, you know, if you have a one-game or a two-game playoff, whatever, for the privilege of playing the best team in your conference, uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of prize that is for you, or what the motivation would be to to become that eighth team in the playoffs but <laughs> well uh, you know Jordan, you must have yeah. uh you must have forgot that in my neck of the woods they haven't been in the playoffs in 2006 <laughs> so here in sacramento that would be a they big would deal be more than happy yeah <laughs> i mean i hear you but i i think it was the other thing to remember and i apologize for interjecting but like to the, the nuance here is that memphis had an incredibly tough schedule remaining if they played all 17 games and so they're getting off the hook by not having to play all those games. And um, and a lot of those teams were coming on very strong, and New Orleans and Sacramento chief among them and Portland too. So, you know, I, four does, you know, in a bubble, I guess, no pun intended, I think four, I could see where you feel like it's a little generous, but I think I, I kind of, you know, feel like I, I, I'm fine with what they're trying to do there. Sam, yesterday Jake and I were talking about the different ideas that have been lobbed out there to create that home court advantage that you uh, mentioned is sort of absent in this bubble down in Florida. But uh, did any of those seem fair to you? Did any of those make any sense to you at all? Or do you think, do you agree with Budenholzer who essentially said, look, man, I'm just happy to be playing games again? (laughs) I mean, I liked um, ESPN had a fun story that had a bunch of that reporting that things that were requested, you know, extra possession for the team that lost home court advantage, all these kind of kooky ideas that didn't really go anywhere. So, I, I mean, other than it being entertaining, you know, fodder, I think I'm with Mike Budenholzer. You know, I don't know how uh, Frank Vogel and his staff feel on the Lakers side, but, you know, I think – for, for the best teams and the best players, um, you've got to be extremely relieved that, you know, again, barring some sort of spike in the virus that changes everything again in that part of the country, that you're, that you're not going to miss out on the chance to finish this season. I wrote this today. I mean, I don't often express any sort of, you know, we don't root for players. We don't root for teams. But I, I wrote a little something about how it makes me happy that LeBron – is going to get a chance, uh, likely, to pursue his fourth championship and to see if these Lakers can't finish the job. The guy's 35 years old. He's in his 17th year. He's an all-time great. You know, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you know, Michael Jordan chose to walk away and go play baseball and things of that nature. LeBron was playing really well, and like every other player, he, he kind of had it taken away from him because of the circumstances, you know, going on in the world. And same thing for Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, you're probably going to be a back-to-back MVP. Uh, you got to decide this summer if you want to have a long-term future in Milwaukee because they're going to offer him that Supermax extension. And, you know, the idea that, that he should be able to make that choice after seeing what happens in these playoffs, you know, however unique they might be, like that's that's better than the alternative from a basketball standpoint. So, um, 
within all of that, guys, I mean, for me, and we'll be talking about this for the next few months, obviously, heading into the end of July. But, man, it's going to be so wild with no fans. You know, even the media component is still a moving target, and I've been involved in a lot of those talks with the NBA where, um, you know, it's going to be very limited media. And, you know, so just the entire environment, how does that impact the vibe on the court, the competitive spirit, when you can maybe hear the referees, when you can hear trash talk, when when you don't have the fans kind of spurring you on. I mean, I know it's cheesy, but it's true. I mean, you guys know. Talk to your jazz players. Like, the crowd matters. The jazz have a good home crowd. So all of that stuff is going to be uh, really interesting to watch. Sam Amick with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's uh, use LeBron as an example for a second since you brought him up in his age there at, uh, at 35 and talk about the tight turnaround between this year and next year. If LeBron plays, let's say, up to Game 7 of the NBA Finals, that's right there in the middle of October, and they want to open next year's season December 1. Now, they said that that's fluid based on, on circumstance, but that is incredibly tight. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, that that's the thing like I don't even I can't imagine being you know all of these different you know heads of the the training departments for these teams right now because you know typically it's a regimented lifestyle right where they know the rhythm and the pace of how to get the most out of these players bodies how to handle you know let's say you're a non-playoff team how to handle late April May, June, July, you know, if you're a deep playoff team, you know, same thing, but deeper into the summer, you have a rhythm to it. I don't know what in the world you do now because the reality is the past, whatever it's been now, let's see, March 11th to where we had June. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a few months. Like I don't think any of these players were legitimately treating this period, you know, like any sort of off season because they were told that to be ready to play and you got to, so you're not getting, you're not really giving your body a break. You know, I talked to a, a GM of one of the elite teams the other day, and he was really making this distinctive point about how he's like, Sam, you got to remember, like, when you and I jump on the treadmill to keep our, you know, LBs down, you know, that's a whole lot different than you know this superstar going out for four to six hours per day, leaving his family and grinding in the kind of way that that just kind of leaves you gasping for air at the end of the day. That's a grind. And now, to your point, Jake, going into next season, you're going to get almost no breather. And um, nobody has the answers. You know, it's cliche, but it's like, you know, it is what it is. And they'll have to figure it out. But all of that stuff, the, the timing element, is just bonkers. You know, I tweeted something today about how July 1st, for my, you know, for the longest time in my life, has free agency has controlled that part of the calendar. You have to be busy on July 1, July 2, 3, 4, 5, all those days. And free agency now is October 18th, which is just crazy. So um, those are problems for another day, but I definitely think they're going to create problems. So, Sam, if uh, there are certain things that we can pretty well count on. I mean, we know the Lakers are good, right? We know the Clippers are good. Uh, we know the Bucks are really good. But I want to give you an opportunity now to predict something that might happen, some sort of dark horse situation that could occur that might surprise a good number of people. Do you have anything? Oh, I mean, this one's predictable, but 
I don't think you want 30 seconds of dead air while I think of a different one. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the Blazers, you know, I mean, Damian Lillard, you know, I, we, we have, I think, to an extent forgotten that he just destroyed the Oklahoma City Thunder last playoffs, and he has shown himself in quite a few postseasons to be a big-time playoff performer. And so I would look at Damian and, you know, and, and I guess to finish that other thought, you know, he, he they beat the Thunder. He, he kind of punked Russell Westbrook. And next thing you know, Paul George wants to go to the Clippers. Russ is going to Houston. I mean, he just blew up their whole program. And he's done stuff like that before. He did it to the Rockets years and years ago. And the next thing you know, Dwight Howard was uh, on his way elsewhere. So now... The Blazers, you know, they're going to have Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins back, two guys that they were without for all but a couple games early in the season, and that's big time. So you're going to have Danny and C.J. McCollum, you know, your whole crew, and I think that could be your uh, your sleeper. And that's a team with playoff experience that if they get in there, you know, they could knock Memphis out of the way. And I'm not trying to sit here and predict that they're going to be uh, in the conference finals again, that would shock me, but I think they could make some noise. Sam, as always, we really appreciate you jumping on with us, and thank you very much for keeping us all up to date and informed throughout all this thing. It's it's certainly been a fascinating study of sport. No problem, guys. I appreciate you. Be good. Thanks, Sam. Sam Amick, our good friend from The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I, I found it interesting. Sam said he's been um, in talks with uh, about the media coverage for this thing. I'm glad his voice yeah. is there. He's, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the decision is, I'm glad he's being, uh, his input is being considered. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Can't think of a better representative in that regard than, no doubt. than Sam. You know, I thought that was interesting what he said. And it showed... It shows what we're used to around here. We're used to the Jazz going to the playoffs, right? But in Sacramento, near where Sam lives, that eighth spot might mean a whole lot of something. Yep. You know, and we just sort of think, yeah, really? I mean, is that really all that great? You know, but the Kings might be desperate for that kind of opportunity. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.